So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. It is Wednesday morning, everybody, and I've got my uh, longtime friend, Sloaner Brown, uh, on the podcast. Sloan, uh, what's happening? <laughs> Not much. Just getting the day going here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I got to I gotta come I'm up. To, I'm used to that nickname. Yeah, yeah. I got to come up with a new, uh, people are probably tired of me saying, what's up, everybody, it's this day, and then what's, you know, I got to come up with something fresh, but... Uh, Sloan, I, I've known you for what, since 2016? Yeah. What, seven, seven or so years? Yeah. I, rem- I remember, uh, it was you and two other dudes, uh, that worked for Backbone Media. I think I was at, uh, Mountain Ops with Gritty and you guys walked in and I remember thinking like, holy shit, it's the Backstreet Boys or some smart ass comment. You guys all had flat brims <laughs> on and I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? But, uh, I think that was no, a- we did not. We did not. <laughs> we were definitely not wearing flat brims. We, we walked into flat brim USA, like flat brimville USA. Yeah. I remember you sitting there and I'm like, God, who is this angry ogre? Like, he's so mad at the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty well. They're trying to convert me to be a Mormon. I was fucking awkward. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Good times. Yeah, that was uh, 2016. We had just gotten, or we were talking to Mountain Ops. It was like in the heyday when they were like absolutely blown up and uh, they needed a PR agency. And we we came in and worked with those guys for a few years. And that's when we met you and you and Gritty were happily married at the time and um life was good then huh yeah yeah that was that was i was not uh uh yeah i was just getting into you know i say getting in but you know getting more known in the in the industry and kind of learning my way around um you know it's just how the world you know works with with different things and it obviously a lot has changed over the last few few years but at at that time i didn't really know you know, anybody, I would say like behind the scenes undercover, you know, like I didn't know that many marketing agencies or different, uh, entities in the outdoor world where uh, for both of us at this point now, like a lot, I've learned a lot and, and met a lot more people. And, you know, you've done a lot since then, I guess before we get bullshitting too much, tell everybody about Sloaner jams, tell everybody about you, where you, where you come from, all that stuff. Yeah, um, I am from Texas originally. I grew up in San Angelo, Texas, which is, uh, they'll they'll call it West Texas, but when you look at it on the map, it's kind of right in the middle. Um, and uh, I kind of grew up out here hunting and fishing, but not, not like crazy, crazy a lot. Um, doing it with my dad every now and then on a deer lease or whatever. And then went to college in Alabama at Auburn University. Uh, had a little too much fun there. Uh, I didn't really had a hard time finding the off switch, um, to turn the party off. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I kind of went, I went through treatment. I had, I had some substance abuse issues and addiction and moved out to Colorado to kind of turn things around. Um, and I was working in hospitality out there. I did a few jobs and then landed a job at backbone media. Uh, they, they had posted a job opening on Facebook for, a hunting PR manager and I had like four different people tag me in it. It was back in the heyday of Facebook, kind of really 
I mean, Instagram was going, but it wasn't like it is now. Um, and these people were all unrelated and I'm like, man, that's weird. Like maybe I had to look at this. Uh, and I was like a fly fishing guide and a doorman at a five-star hotel at the time and was making good money. It was all cash and off the books and fun, low stress job. But, um, this was like a, a more of a career move and I had to take a pay cut to do it. Um, but I had a friend kind of pull me aside and be like, Hey dude, this is like a step backwards to take a lot of steps forward. Um, so I ended up doing it. Um, well, I interviewed with backbone and they were kind of like transitioning from, they had Vista outdoor as a client, which at the time Vista was not doing well at all. It kind of seems like they've kind of turned it around a little bit, but, uh, they were, they were kind of in the process of dropping Vista and then courting sick gear. Uh, to bring them on as a client for PR and paid media. And I had zero experience, but I loved hunting. And, and I think people kind of knew that. Um, and I applied for the job and they're like, Hey, you know, we think you're a good fit, but we got to land this client first. And so it took like four or five months, but once they got sick as a client and onboarded them, they brought me on and hired me and I had zero idea what I was doing. Um, but kind of just blindly figuring it out. Um, and so I, I worked there for like 18 months and, um, I remember coming across you, like meeting you in Salt Lake briefly and being like, God, that dude is angry and hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first time, but you were doing all the reviews on rock slide and like you and gritty were really things were heating up with, with the podcast world. And it was just different. like podcasting was new then relatively new. Um, Pretty, and so yeah, there weren't as many as there are now. Yeah, for the outdoor it was, world. Yeah, it was yeah. new for the outdoor world. Um, so we met, and then like we started, we started sending you some Sika gear and newer stuff. Like when they launched, I was there when Sika launched Sub Alpine and Barclow. We I got to work closely with Barclow and Dave Brinker at the time. Um, it was just a really fun time for that that business, and they were just blowing up. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked there for 18 months and I kind of was like, man, like I kind of get this PR thing and I want to do a little bit more than that. Um, and kind of have a seat at the table for bigger discussions and, um, a job opened up at Yeti as the hunting, it was hunting marketing specialist at the time, kind of like a lower level marketing position. Um, and I knew Ben O'Brien, um, and so again, I had somebody tell me about it and I, I was like, Oh, that sounds like a dream job. So I applied for it and it was, I had to move back to Austin, Texas for it. Um, and I flew down and interviewed and I thought I did really well. And, um, it felt like a good fit. And then like at that time, Ben O'Brien had started a podcast and I was kind of like, man, like I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, I bet you he, like he and Steve Ranello were good friends and Steve was starting to acquire other podcasts and build out the meat eater network. And I'm like, I kind of think Ben might leave Yeti and that would be, in which case he did, that would be a really good opportunity for me to kind of take over, you know, in, in a higher level position at Yeti. And sure enough, like three months after I, I got hired, that happened. Um, and so it was kind of mine from there. Um, but, um, I did that for four years and we call it community marketing. Um, it's really like sports marketing, um, working with like, and building out ambassador teams, working with a lot of guides and outfitters, um, managing relationships with conservation groups. And then like 
showing up at, at events and, you know, that, that are relevant in the space and a lot of people are at and kind of just high level, like being able to look at the, at the industry, at the hunting industry as a whole and understand where there's energy and relevance and, and being able to plug a brand into that. So I did that for four years at Yeti, built a really, really cool, powerful, awesome network of, of influential people. And, um, I left about a year ago, um, to work at a startup and, and it didn't really, it didn't fit me too well. So I left that and started my own consulting business. And, um, I've got six clients now, seven clients. Um, and I'm taking, you know, I, I, I say it's consulting, but really it's like outsourced community marketing and then some high level, like marketing consulting for, I'm kind of focused on younger brands now that have really good product, low awareness and a lot of energy and momentum behind them. And, uh, kind of helping them develop uh, a community marketing program and like really authentic roots um, that drive relevance in the space and help them grow. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how you and I got linked up is like you were doing a lot of reviews for Rock Slide. And to be honest, I say this to everyone still. I'm like, there was never a better PR hit than when Aaron Snyder would like endorse like the, you know, the ascent pants or the ascent shirt from Sitka gear. And, um, we, we could just see like the uptick in e-com traffic, like shit was selling. And, uh, so we became quick friends and I think it was kind of just from like a no BS, like, uh, I don't know, you carry that mentality. And I, I tried to a little bit, I probably have a little more BS than you, but um, uh-huh. that's what I'm doing now. And, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, you, um, the good thing with you, I, what did, uh, cause Ben asked me about you at one point, and I, I think I said, man, Sloan's like Switzerland. He gets along with fucking everyone. And, uh, he's like, you like him? And I guess Ben thought I was an asshole, and for me to like someone was a miracle. So I, uh, I, those are my own words, but I was like, yeah, dude, Sloan's, he's, he's solid. And, and that's one thing you've been able to, you know, to do is, is, is main, not neutral, but I mean, you get along, you can mix well anywhere, right? You can, you can, you can jive with pretty much anyone, which is hard to find. Yeah. And that was a big thing for Yeti is, um, you know, they, they provide a product that can, that'll work for everybody. And there's so many, so much like animosity towards guys that wear different camo or solids or whatever. And, um, we kind of just wanted to toe that line and not jump in too deep with anyone and, and just be neutral. And, um, yeah, I remember that. Like, I, I honestly think that that was like pretty pivotal, like that moment with you and Ben, when y'all recorded that podcast, whatever it was before or after I think that helped, definitely helped me land the job at Yeti. Um, so much appreciated for that. Cause I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without, without that experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much help I was, but it was just, it was funny because Ben literally was like, you, you like him? And I'm like, well, I do like people, Ben. There are people like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's cool. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you put off this tough guy, tough guy persona, but deep down you're a big fucking teddy bear. Oh yeah. I'm super, super fucking chill. And I, I think, you know, whatever, as far as that, you know me as good as anyone, but I think that, um, you know, I, I, fuck, I just don't smile that much. And that's, you know, I'm not, my, I, my teeth look like a hippo when it's yawning. So I'm not exactly like ear to ear grin. Right. So I just don't fucking smile very much, but, uh, the, uh, I think uh, the, uh, with, uh, like, uh, you know, with what you're doing and, and, uh, 
you know, where the outdoor industry is, is, is going and, and where it's come from, like, especially with social media. One thing I saw a clip of, an example of me not doing what I'm supposed to, I was supposed to be at the Montana knife grand opening. And, uh, I ended up having to do work and stuff here. And you and I were talking, you're like, yeah, dude, it's pretty busy. You probably would have freaked out anyway, but you did a podcast while you were there and you were talking about, you know, family relationships, things like that in the, uh, you know, the outdoor industry and how, you know, important those things are. And it is kind of cool. I mean, with all the shit talking about how bad social media is, it does bring people together that would never, ever meet, right? Like it, it is kind of cool yeah. that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody kind of has a tendency to like latch onto the shitty things about social media, but it's, it's a really powerful tool. And, you know, I think this job is a lot more than social media. Like that's one of the added benefits of it, but, um, yeah, you gotta have a real, you gotta have real relationships too. Yeah. It is is a powerful tool. Well, and I, I, you know, add some context to that just to gain more relationships. And I don't mean just business, just in general, like, cool people and, and people you would never end up meeting, you know, and, and that is initially like triggered or kicked off from social media, whether it be, you know, conversing back and forth and messaging and you meet them later and, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not the whole picture, but it is kind of cool. Um, you know, how that does work. Like you, it's not always negative, but there is a lot of like footwork with what you're doing on the, you know, like talk a little bit about that actually. Like you, you went into what you do, but really you're a people person and just shooting the shit and, and telling, you know, like explain what you do. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, <clears throat> I, I say this all the time. It's like a glorified customer service role, except my customers are just like a little bit more public facing and, and have a lot of influence. Um, it's really just like, getting new products into, into the right people's hands that would resonate with a product, having them kind of review it and endorse it and, and trying to just add like credibility, uh, to a brand or to a product, you know, through credible people that have a lot of experience and knowledge and understanding of, of the space and of the gear. Um, but it's like, it's grassroots marketing, you know, like you can only get so far serving people ads on social media and stuff and people will see it and that helps awareness, but people like consumers are not, I think there's a stat that says they're 90% more likely to, to purchase an item if it comes recommended from a friend. And, and, you know, a guy like you that, that has stayed pretty independent for so long, it's not taking endorsement money that just endorses shit because it works or it works for you. Um, that'll get people across the finish line a lot more. If you're, if you know, if you're reviewing a a lightweight hoodie and you're like, Hey, this thing is the shit. I ran it for seven days on an elk hunt. It didn't stink. It didn't stretch. Like that'll, that'll get people over the finish line a lot more uh, than, than some brand serving an ad on social media. So um, that's kind of high level, high level what we do. And then, you know, it's just like being out amongst the community and, and the hunting community and like knowing what's cool and where there's energy and how do you, how do you plug a brand into that? So, um, you know, I think when, when brands approach me or I approach them to work with them, like really what they're paying for is, is a way to like fast track and plug into a, a big network. Um, and, uh, so high level, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm doing, but it's been, it's been freaking awesome because you and I have always kind of worked together in that regard. But now like with born primitive, we're both, 
officially, you know, contracted by them. And, and now we actually get to work on something where we can develop a product, put it out there and then market it. Um, it's full circle and it, and it's badass. And I, I don't know, man, I'm enjoying it. I'm, you know, I'm independent. I am my own boss or I have six or seven bosses, however you look at it, but it's really fun to do it on my own. Um, and they're doing some kick-ass shit at Born Primitive. I'm excited about it. Um, we're definitely, there's some highs and lows and growing pains and, and all that, but challenge is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun. And, I, you know, in the position that you're talking about, like, where where you're at or, or I'm at or, you know, when you get to actually help um, design something, help create something, um, it's it's unique. And, I, I, and, and I've been super lucky with the fact that, you know, I get to use a lot of different, you know, gear, whether that be clothing or boots or bows or whatever. And it's nice because for the most part, like if I, you know, we're all still friends with multiple different outdoor companies, right? Like I Barklow at Sitka or, you know, some of the guys at Stone Glacier or whatever, like, you know, I, I, the guys over at Cryptic, I'm friends with all of them. Um, to mm-hmm. still have that friendship, but also that competitiveness to where it's like, Hey, well, we're, we're competing now. We're still cool, but uh, yeah, we're your competitor now. Still get along and still make a better product because of that competitiveness, but also friendship, if that makes any sense, which is a cool place to be, you know, for, for me and, and you where I still get along with everybody, but it's like, hey, man, uh, you know, don't be mad. We're going to try and kick the shit out of your pants or, you know, whatever. Like it just keeps you keeps you sharp, I guess. Yeah, competition's a good thing. Actually, I texted Barclow yesterday to try to get him to come down and do that archery country thing with you, that backcountry seminar that we're talking about in December. Um, of course, he didn't respond, but he'll probably respond in the next few days. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, but it's cool. I mean, different teams there, but we can still hang out and be friends. I think everybody. That's that's kind of just how I try to roll. Is like, yeah, there's that underlying competitive edge that we all want to grab, but. Um, at the end of the day, we're all doing this because we love, we love hunting, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and it's, it's true. It's cool. I mean, the position that, you know, I'm in for the most part, obviously backpacks and clothing is a little bit different, but I'm really blessed in that I get to shoot tons of bows and use tons of boots and arrows. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, even if I sign up with the company, all the companies that I ever work with are super cool. They don't care if I talk about other products or, yeah, it's a good position to be in rather than just jamming one thing down, you know, someone's throat. And and obviously yeah. when you truly believe in something, but even when people, if they ask me about packs and they're like, Hey, I can't afford a Kafaru or, you know, I, I like the, the born primitive frontier pant, but I was thinking about getting this top, you know, I'm, it's not like neither you or I are jamming it down their throat. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. And give advice. And that that's one thing that I hope that I've been able to do personally in the industry is, not feed people with shit. And I'm trying to stay on that, that track. And you've also been good about that too. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the reason that people trust you so much. And that's the reason your reviews move the needle is because you've built that trust over a long period of time. Um, so kudos to you for that. And, and somehow convincing brands that like, Hey, let me talk about this other stuff too. Um, it, yeah, it, it just works, you know? Yeah, I actually, I had somebody, um, you know, was, you know, like a normal talking shit, like little haters or whatever in the industry. And th- this recent one was like about footwear. And it was, you know, basically me saying, hey, these boots are good. These boots are good. These boots are good. 
um, and that, uh, that I was like sponsored as fuck or something. And I was like laughing cause I'm like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, all those boots are good. Like, isn't it a good thing to talk about all those different boots? You know, like, um, like right now I'm wearing crispies, but people ask me about, I don't know, whatever, pick a boot, uh, Honvog, I don't know, Zamberlin. Um, I'll be, oh yeah, those boots are good. You want this size or this boots flexible or whatever. And it's a good position to be in because it's, it does save people money, hopefully. Right. Cause not everybody has yeah. an unlimited, an unlimited budget. And I mean, when, when, you know, like if I, if somebody asks about a specific hunt, a specific item, it's nice to be able to say, yeah, dude, I use this. It was kind of a piece of shit, but I did like this when it lasted and saves people potentially from wasting some money. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's it. But, um, with, with, uh, like, so you're in Austin, you've got five basically companies you're working with now, six, Mm, six, six and and one other small one. Yeah. And so with, uh, you know, obviously over the last 10 years with what you're doing now with yet, which one were you happiest with? Like, do you ever look back like, man, I should have stayed at Yeti or with what you're doing now? I'm like, all right, this is it. And I, I'm going to keep growing what I'm doing. I'm happy with this or cause you're, you know, you, yeah. You know, go ahead. The, 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 when I left, so I left Yeti in March of 22. So a little over a year ago, the first few months of leaving that job was a real eye opener for me. Like, and I knew, I, I knew the whole time at that job, I had this, this awareness of like, people are absolutely treating me differently because I am the Yeti guy and, and they're obviously looking for a good deal or a hookup or a connection or whatever. And so I was always aware of that in the back of my head. And, and I knew the day that I left Yeti, things would change and the phone would probably stop ringing as much and, and people would stop answering as much because I wasn't the Yeti guy. So and dude, like you spend four years at the company and you know, this probably better than anybody, especially because you're now a part owner of Kavaru, but like that becomes, and especially that job at Yeti, because it was like community marketing is kind of 24 seven. Like you're always talking to people with social media and, and cell phones. Like we're just so connected now that it just becomes part of your identity and who you are. Um, I was just a Yeti guy and, and, I lived and breathed it for so long that like stepping away from that, it was a big change for me. Uh, and it definitely like hurt the confidence and, and a lot of other stuff because I wasn't the Yeti guy as much, you know, and, and, um, so people just, you just get treated a little bit differently. And so that was, that was a really difficult adjustment. And there was like five or six months that I was like, damn, what did I do? Why did I leave this? Cause it was a sweet job. It paid well lots of autonomy. I got to travel and do a ton of cool shit, um, work on cool projects and had a ton of resources from the brand, like creative video guys, you know, paid media, the whole, the whole gamut, like we were staffed up and, and motivated to grow. And so it was, um, it was a really fun time doing that. And then stepping away was, was difficult. Um, in doing the startup thing, like going from this, like household brand name to a brand new brand that nobody's heard of was a really, really hard transition. Um, but then kind of, kind of jumping on, like leaving the startup and doing my own thing. And I had no idea if there was any interest from brands, uh, for like an outsourced community marketing person, but 
quickly kind of figured out, I'm like, no, there's something here. And, and I think I'll be able to do it. Um, it's been pr- pretty wild a ride, but I, I feel like I'm back in, in, you know, in a good spot and where I need to be, um, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But man, like pretty much all the brands I work with are really cool, lots of momentum and they make great products. Um, and it's kind of this magic combination of like really bomber solid product plus low awareness. It's like a, it, it's, it makes it makes my job really easy because you just get the product into people's hand and they're like, Oh shit, this is, this is quality stuff. Um, but I love, like, I love working with, um, turtle box, the speaker company, the Bluetooth speaker company, they just hands down, they have the best product on the market. Um, and I think it's a huge opportunity because it's just a big market. Um, there's some, there's a bunch of big players, but the way that turtle box is going about it is it's unique. And I, I think they're going to be a really big brand. Um, and then born primitive has been awesome to work together with you on that. And like, really like, you know, have a seat at the table and, and develop the product line and the direction of the brand like that. That's awesome too. And like build this brand and this culture of like really authentic, gritty killer dudes, you know, and girls. Um, it's been fun, but I, I can't say like, I, there's definitely nobody that I'm like irked to work with or work with all great brands, but those two kind of stick out. And then also Montana knife company, um, like what a fucking rocket ship of a business they are. They launched, three years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, people are really drawn to Josh's story and he makes a great product. And, um, yeah, you should tell them a little bit about what we got coming with that. Yeah. I, uh, well, with, with Josh, it's funny. Talk about like the rocket ship. So I I will admittedly, admittedly say I have a knife problem, right? Like I, I I am a connoisseur of, of uh, cutlery and, I had uh, talked with Josh when he first got started and, and I remember, you know, he was like, Hey, do you want to try a knife? And, you know, I had so many different knives and I was like, yeah, you know, man, if you can send me one, whatever. And then he sent one out and, um, used it for the, you know, a season and, you know, and I tried a bunch of different knives out. Right. And admittedly, like I have a problem, like, uh, like with food. So, in in the end, like I, I I was like, okay, I I should probably um, I'm condensing this story down. I should probably like really try and get you know somebody to to make this specific type of knife that I like. And I I had thought about bugging Josh and seeing if he wanting to do it to do it. And you can kind of take it from there on how the steps went from from that. Yeah. Um it's cool because they're such a young brand. They can be so nimble. Um, and you know, they're two years old. They're, they're doing great and they're selling out their knives and, and they do like a, they do a, basically a knife drop. It's kind of like the Nike sneaker model, um, where they release a knife. Um, it could be existing or it could be a new product, but every Thursday night and they're selling out, you know, in 30 minutes and less. Um, but they're, but they're, all they're only fixed blades right now. Um, they're working on some other cool stuff. Eventually it'll come out, but they can, they have the ability to like collaborate with people. Um, and there's not many people in the hunt space that warrant like a knife collaboration. Um, but your name definitely hits the top of the list. So Josh and I were talking he's like, Hey, who can we, you know, who can we bring into this thing that adds a lot of energy and, and credibility? And, 
So we, I suggested that we work with you and you had a, a really good design in your head that, you know, you haven't really seen anybody execute on. So, uh, connected you and Josh and it, it's awesome because it's a big opportunity for you to, you know, financially and just like to, to have a seat at the table and make something that you're proud of. So, um, I'm, I'm jacked up about it. I've seen like the 3d renderings and stuff and it's, it's quite a bit different than anything that they currently offer. Um, and I'm stoked, man. I think it's going to be a really cool knife. And I was kind of surprised you went the direction that you did. I, I thought that you would go like ultralight backpacking style. Um, but you didn't go that direction. You yeah. Tell them a little bit about kind of went happy when you decided. Yeah. Happy, happy medium. Um, there's a specific type of blade that I like, and I guess I can go into more depth. I don't think Josh will be angry about it, but I, yeah. it's a, it's a, like a Canadian belt knife and I've used one for a long time and in, uh, way back when I was a kid. So like the eighties, my dad had, uh, like a Puma, I guess is what it was called Canadian belt knife. And I don't even know if they make those anymore, but, uh, that specific blade, I prefer for caping, things like that. Um, just, just the way that the blade is, is shaped for any kind of obviously work for breaking down an animal and deboning it and things like that. But I, you know, having it for me, having an ultra night light fixed blade knife, like when I say ultra light, like crazy ultra light. There's tons of those on the market, but it's hard to have durability in that. And if I'm going to have a fixed blade, I want a, a, a fair amount of durability, right? I, I want it to be able to yeah. do some, I mean, not doomsday or prepper shit. Like I'm not going to be hammering the fucker into a tree because I'm dying. If I have to do that, something's gone terribly wrong, but being able to pry on it a little <laughs> bit, work on it. Um, so I, I, we kind of went happy medium and I didn't go super heavy with it and we didn't go like crazy light. I did the, I say, I, we were, we're the, the handle is going to be a little bit lighter than options he has now, things like that. But when we, you know, that, that, that blade style is not anything new, but it's not something that's really pushed upon the outdoor arena. And also the size and shape of it is, is unique. You know, you will see larger, uh, blade styles like that. And so, and we modified it a little bit and, and changed some things, but it's not that, that, um, what am I trying to say with Josh? There's, uh, I've never done a specific, I've never done a Snyder knife, right? I've never, I've, I've been asked to a ton and I just was like, you know, I don't really want to, I want to p partner with somebody that has the same uniqueness and like the same, um, what do you want to say values or whatever? Like Josh is a cool fucking guy. The way his companies run mm -hmm. the American made, how he executes things is just a lot like what we do in the way that I am to where I was like, Hey man, you know, how many of these can we get out? And he's like, well, look, you know, as far as keeping up, you know, I think we can get X amount out each time, whatever, whatever. Are you cool with that? I'm like, dude, I, I'm just happy to be partnering with someone that I really like and trust and with such a cool story. So I'm kind of mumbling about, but I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about the knife because it's exactly what I wanted and that is hard to find. And yeah, you kind of facilitated that whole thing. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I, I mean, dude, it's going to be great for, for both sides. Um, the, in the, in the blade profile, um, I'm a big fan of that too. Like a little more belly, a little less edge. Like you look at his speed goat and Blackfoot, which are kind of their, their flagship knives. Uh, they're real, real pointy. Um, and if you're caping a lot of shit, which 
for me, most of the work I feel like comes from caping and that's where you really need, you know, you really need your edge to hold. Um, this knife will be killer for that. Um, yeah. And in the colorway, I think he said he got a sample of the colorway, the one that you requested and it looks a little funky. So I think he might be tweaking that a little bit, but yeah, dude, like there's two things when you look at Montana knife and I'm like, this is, this is the winning recipe for them. Josh has an incredible story, like the American made, like chasing your dreams, quitting your cushy corporate job as a, as a journeyman lineman. Like people are just drawn to that. People love when people take that leap um, and, and go full on. And then secondly, he makes the best knife on the market. Like the dude, he, he became a master bladesmith at 19 years old. He started forging knives, I think when he was 11. And like obviously had a, had a God-given talent for it and, and a knack for it. Um, but he works his ass off. Um, and so as he was a journeyman lineman, he's been making knives, custom, like super high end custom knives for like sheiks in the United Arab Emirates and crazy, crazy shit. Um, but he, he had a name in that knife world and that custom knife world for a really long time. And, um, he's taken that same approach to production knives. Um, and it's just like the, he, he's he understood understands edge geometry and blade thickness and um it really is the best knife out there and so that, those two things are why people are so drawn to mkc i think and and like it really that's what you built at kapara the american american made quality manufacturing and, and you built that trust with your people um he's doing the same thing so it's it's a freaking awesome, awesome collaboration. Yeah. He, when he and I were talking, I think was, what, what are you guys talking about? Like November, December for that launch? I think. He, yeah. At the latest, it might be a little bit earlier than that. Um, I, I hate to say dates cause I screw that up and then whatever, but yeah, I think that's the yeah. latest it would be, but, but Josh and I have kind of the same story, right? Like construction and saying, well, I'm going to figure this out. And, taking a huge risk and then just working your ass off. And that's kind of what I was alluding to before is, you know, it's cool to partner up with someone that did that, you know, took the leap and could have ended up bankrupt in poverty and working at McDonald's and, you know, whatever, like risked it all, which is cool. But, you know, with, with all of this, like you talk about like that, the profile of the, the blade to kind of go into it a little bit more depth is, is when I'm caping an animal, when you have that point, like you talked about with the speed goat, that's not like my number one choice with that point. And when, when I'm caping, I like the ability to actually hold the actual blade when needed, when I'm, when I'm doing some of the caping rather than the handle, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, especially when I'm trying to get like some of the fat off the hide and things like that. Almost like if you're going to use an Ulu, um, if anybody's mm -hmm. ever used one of those. And so it gives me the ability to choke up on it, grab the blade. And, and then also when I need to, you can debone with it just fine as well. Um, you know, and it's a, a, th a little bit thicker blade, uh, you know, and the point isn't as fragile. And when I say that, you should never be taking a knife like a speed goat and prying the shit out of it with that, you know, it's, it's a durable knife, but it's not made for that. This can handle a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more durability on the tip, which is cool. And then, yeah, obviously with like what you said with Josh and his story and the American made, what we do is I'm, I'm excited. And uh, it's one of those things to where when I was working with him on the, the, you know, the profile of the blade, I sent it, he sent it back. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And he was like, almost like full fuck. 
we're good already. Like we don't have to do anything else. I'm like, oh, dude, you yeah. nailed it. I was like, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I drew something up, sent it to him. He drew it back. And then I was like, dude, this is, this is going to go smooth. And one of those things that is easy to back because that is exactly what I would tell people to, to buy if they were going to have a custom knife made. So it's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. I am too. It'll be a good one. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I can say something else. I can't remember. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I think on that, as time goes on, we're going to be able to kind of pimp that out a little bit more so we can show people exactly what we're talking about. I haven't bugged Josh too much about, hey, you know, talk about the the journey of the knife, right? But I, I kind of want to, at some point before release, kind of show some of the text back and forth and some of the, you know, the the profile and, and the first colorway of the handle. He's like, yeah, I don't really like it. And he sent it. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's, that, that's, that's, that's gay. Like we can't run that. That's not good. And I don't mean that yeah. in a negative way. Did you way. get to see it? Oh yeah, I did. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, not, not my first choice. And he's like, okay, good. I'm glad we're in agreement. So, so it's been cool. And he's just a yeah. funny fucker, right? I mean, he's a funny dude. Um, not, not like yeah. Bill Burr in your face screaming, but whatever, but he'll throw some zingers out there and you can't even, you didn't even know he's making funny, but he is, he's, he's pretty quick winded. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah dude and, and another strength that he's got and uh it is like he, he knows what he's good at and he knows what other people are good at and he's he doesn't have too much of an ego like it, when you look at the inception of mkc he knew how to make the product he he, he had registered the montana knife company name his mom actually had registered the name like 30 years ago because she's like this is a great name you should just take the llc even if you don't do anything so she had the foresight for that but when he decided that he's going to do this thing, he's like, I know how to make a knife. I don't know how to market and make a website and do all these other things that you have to do to run a successful business. So he, he sets aside any ego and he's like, I'm going to go find the person that's best at this. And he linked up with Brandon Horaho, who's done some pretty awesome stuff with um, marketing supplements and apparel. And, uh, and, he like gave Brandon a huge chunk of the business. Cause he's like, look, this thing doesn't work without you. So I recognize your value in this. I want to give that give you that value and give you a piece of that business. And, um, and that he takes that same approach to, to innovation and, and making new knives. And, and I think that's why, you know, he, he brought you into the fold is cause he's like, I, you know, I'm kind of like, I've made what I want to make. He definitely still has a ton of stuff in the hopper, but he's like, let's, let's bring somebody else's brain into this and, and create something else that somebody, somebody wants and needs, you know? Yeah. And, and what I wanted so. was so different than what he already makes. And so that was even better, right? That was a good thing. So, you know, that was cool too. Cause what, what I wanted was just different than what he already offered. But what, um, yeah, other than yeah. that, yeah. Talk, you were talking, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, what, what am I trying to say? I don't want to, make this a total sales pitch on this knife, although I am excited about it and probably should. You you talked about that turtle box here for a minute as well. Dude, I did mm -hmm. not know what the fuck that thing was, right? When I first saw it, I'm like, yeah, it's a speaker. Dude, that thing, like, I, it's, I don't want to say you can throw that thing off a cliff. That thing can take some abuse. You can hook multiple speakers. Like, so like I can turn my gym into surround sound, with one, uh, you know, with more, I can hook multiple of those turtle boxes to my phone. I do, you can throw it in the back of the Can-Am, like, you know what, I, I keep the one in the back of my, my Bronco, right? Like it, those things are money. Like, you know, and, and, and somebody was like, I can't, man, that's too expensive. I'm like, dude, 
far well worth it. Like that thing's indestructible. Talk, tell people a little bit about that. Cause I have people constantly asking me about them. Yeah, they really are. Like it's one of those products that again, you can serve people with ads on social media and it's totally waterproof. So a lot of the ads you'll see is like somebody pulling it out of, you know, being 100% submerged in water and the thing's still running. So we use that kind of creative a lot, but it's one of those products that you really got to experience and touch and see and feel and hear to, to understand the price point on it. But dude, you think, cause you can sync two of them up there. There it's a $400 speaker. It's Bluetooth in, insane battery. Like you can get like 26 hours at listening volume out of it. You can charge your phone off of it. But when you sync two of those speakers together, you get true left, right stereo, which is not really a thing. Like we were talking about this the other day, like, you know, back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, it was all about sound and everybody had like, they were prideful of having like big clips speakers in their, in their living room and, and surround sound was a big deal. And it's like, as technology around like streaming and downloading and accessing music has grown, it seems like there's less emphasis on the quality of the sound. And these guys are like meticulous about product and they built this product out of need. There's, there's four guys that started the business and they were all living together down in Houston and sailing on the coast and going fishing all the time. And they didn't have, like they kept breaking their speakers. And so they're like, there is a need for this type of product on the market. And so they built it nine years ago in their garage and then like really got serious about it probably four years ago and developed the gen two speaker that's out now, but it, it's, I mean, I can fully stand behind that product and that price point and, and it's, it's awesome. And they've got more stuff coming, but like to, to experience that you sync up two speakers, turn on any song from Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon album, because they recorded it in true left, right stereo. So you get that full, like immersive surround sound left and right experience. And it's like, it blows most people's mind when they get in the middle of those two speakers and hear it. Um, but they've got some cool stuff coming too later this year. So keep an eye on that. Um, but awesome product. Anybody I send it to, I sent one to Scotty and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to use this thing, but if he does and it shows up in front of his clients, that's cool. And it just takes like a few minutes and then you're like, Holy shit. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's an easy product for me to sell. I can say that. And, and when people yeah. ask me like, what do you mean easy to, to sell? And I'm like, it's easy to sell because I know nobody's going to call me back and say, you fucked me. That's why it's an easy product yep. to sell. And when you when you sell somebody a set of $300 a dozen arrows, you might get that phone call of, hey, fuck stick, these are not worth it, right? But if I sell that speaker, yep. more than most likely that person's going to buy another one. And, and, it, yep. and I'll give you an example. I could call you and get them free and I bought two more, right? And when I say free, like obviously, <laughs> you know, because I... I I, you know, for, for, for me, I bought, I bought one for a, um, well, one for two different buddies and, uh, they, they, the Can-Am, right. They drive around a bunch in their, in their Can-Ams and dude, you cannot ask for a better speaker to go into the back of a, like a Can-Am Polaris or whatever. Uh, it can take a ton of abuse bouncing around. It sounds good. You can operate it off your phone, obviously. So just throw up Spotify. Sounds good. And, and like when you're at the end, you're not worried about, okay, my, 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 you know, my sound system or whatever, I'm not going to injure this thing. And it's a, it's relatively water resistant as well. Um, you know, F fully waterproof. Like you can dunk that thing underwater. 
Yeah. And I don't, I know it can take some rain. Um, I left mine in the back of my can am like a fucking moron and, uh, no problem at all. Uh, I didn't know you could submerge it underwater, but yeah, it can take a rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome product. Um, guy, you mentioned something in there that, that triggered a, a question for me and I can't think of it now. Oh, arrows. Uh, I talked to Isaac Smith yesterday from method. I, I connected with that guy. Yeah. Um, they're cool as shit. Um, really cool business model and a smart dude. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. They, uh, they actually, they help us. That's, they built their new website, Ben, Ben and, and Isaac. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're cool. Um, and you know, like, they got to get a little bit lighter arrow as the, you know, cause I was talking to Ben, I'm like, you, you got to get one option. That's not lightweight, but a little bit lighter, but that program they have to enter, like, you know, your, what your draw length and all your poundage and all that and, and point weight or whatever. And they can get the exact arrow build for you without you having to reinvent the wheel to figure it out, which Ben did that. Obviously Ben's like a pipe hitting dork, right? That's what he does is that type of stuff. Tech. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's interesting. Like I, I just started working with archery country too. And I'm like, man, it's 2023 and you still have to go into a pro shop to get any quality work done. Um, and I think it's really interesting to like think about direct consumer brands popping up in the archery space. And these guys are proving that model that with technology these days, like you don't have to go into a pro shop. You can do a lot of it online. And when you look at America across the board, like I would venture to say that, I don't know, 80, 85% of people do not have access to a good archery shop. They don't live close to it. And so they don't have the, the luxury of like rolling into a shop and getting a dozen arrows cut and fletched exactly the way they want them. So I think it's really cool what those guys are doing. Oh, for sure. Cause really like what, I mean, besides, besides archers advantage, like is there any other software out there to tell you what you need? There's some, some imitations, but archers advantage is the, I mean, that's, that's the jam, right? That's, that's the one. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, with that, like the the, I'm not. I don't want. Uh, man, I don't want to sound like an asshole here. But when you when you have that easy button now of like social media, or whatever, you know, when you actually learn to do everything from top to bottom on your own. Um, you know, that's something you don't forget or it's kind of ingrained in you and you learn probably quite a bit, you know, wider spectrum of, of things, whether that be tuning your bow or arrow or building your arrow, if you're into that, you know, you can only learn so much from social media. Uh, you, you know, you have to be able to, to do it. And so like, when you look, talk about like archer's advantage, I don't use any site tape program because I've built so many arrows for so many people and so many bows. You can just call me and say, I've got a 28 inch draw and I want to shoot 200 grains up front. What's fine? Well, I, I've done it so much. I know that, but most people haven't, you know, you, if you haven't shot a bow your entire life, dude, if you asked me to go replace an engine in a car, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. I have no idea what I'm doing. There's a lot to mm-hmm. archery that diving in can be super confusing and, you know, social media only gets you so far. You look at like archery country, that shop is the shit, right? Like that, I, I highly suggest anybody in that area to go down there. They have great people working there, a ton of different inventory. And those guys actually, I've never had one person message me that archery country sucks. And that's saying something because people like to yeah. bitch on social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy out. It, it, you can, you can bitch on social media without, you know, the repercussions of bitching in real life. Um, 
but they are, they're awesome dudes, uh, like really solid owners behind it and really knowledgeable Botex. And, uh, I think it's really difficult for people to get, you get a good Botex in and they do it for a few years and they're kind of like, they get, they get burned out on the stupid questions and the mundane nature of, of doing what they do. But because those guys are such good dudes over there, they, they retain their Botex for a really long time and they take good care of them. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's awesome to be a part of it. And it's really like, it's awesome to have access to them so close by when I lived in Colorado, dude, I had to travel all the way to grand junction, like two and a half hour drive to get anything done on bow. Um, and it was, it's a pain in the ass, man. And so yeah, I, I ended up like just, and I didn't have a bow press at the time. I was living in an apartment. I, did, I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole yet. So, um, it's so nice to, to live close to a shop where you can just pop in there and get anything fixed or built for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Obviously I'm, I'm super lucky. I got a pro shop at my, my house, but dude, back in the day when I lived in a, you know, I remember having a portable bow press trying to work on shit in an apartment and, you know, and I, I was even in Denver, you know, I had shops all around me, but it, uh, it's nice having, I mean, for people that have a local pro shop, that's good that you should be able to feel very blessed because if I didn't have what I had here at my house where I live now, dude, that's a pain in the balls, right? I'd be driving quite, I mean, we have a shop here and I think there's one in Lander, but not, not our super advanced technical shop. And so when you watch someone like a Levi Morgan or, or a Dudley or a whoever and seeing what they're doing and aspiring to be that good, but then not having what you need to even get out of the starting blocks to get there, you know, it can be maddening. And if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and trying to, you know, order sites and shit off uh, Lancaster or, or go, whatever internet store, and then trying to set that up on your own, dude, it's a lot like pissing in the wind. You're going to be let down. So it is, it is be, be happy if you have a local pro shop, because a lot of people don't. Yeah. And it's, it's so intimidating. Like there's a huge barrier to entry to archery and dude, a lot of times it's the same with fly fishing too. You walk in one of those shops as a, as a beginner and you're like, you know, new kid in the, in class. And like, you feel like there's like this kind of like judgment and like fucking a lot of these shops will kind of look down their nose at you and like make you feel like an idiot. If you ask any dumb questions and that's just not the case at archery country, those guys are super welcoming and, um, yeah, it, it's cool. Oh, no, for, for sure. Um, well, man, I don't want to, we're about to hit an hour here. I don't want to keep you on too, too much longer. Is there anything else you want to kind of hit or cover, uh, where people can find you if any businesses need your assistance? Yeah, I, uh, I named my business Flunder Jams Consulting and, and built out a little website. So you can go to flunderjams.com. That's obviously kind of a joke, but that's, it's how I like to roll, uh, <laughs> do things kind of differently and, and have fun with it. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, standard social media, Sloan Brown, SL Brown on Instagram. But, um, yeah, that, that hour went by pretty damn quick. Um, yeah, dude, thanks for having me on and thanks for everything you do for, for the hunting industry. Um, you're a powerful voice, you're a trusted voice and it's because you're, you're a real dude. Um, so thanks for being you, Snyder, man. Oh yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, it's good and bad. A lot of fucking people hate me too, but, uh, no, I'm glad we've been able to be friends, uh, you know, maintain the friendship, stay in contact. Cause obviously it's not like we've ever lived beside each other. And, uh, actually on a strange note before we get off, 
uh, Scotty Campbell, who I, my, my homie, right. Scotty's like my brother. Uh, I did not know, uh, Sloan has property, your family by Scotty. Weird fucking coincidence, yeah. right? New Sloan before yeah, Scotty. Yeah, I kept seeing you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I kept seeing you post in like November, December, and you're out there whitetail hunting, and I'm like, dude, that country looks just like my family's ranch. He's got to be close, and I shot you a message. And you're like, yeah, I'm in McLean. I'm like, holy shit. Um, and you're like, you got to meet this guy, Scotty. He's awesome. And I'm like, I connect with Scotty, and lo and behold, he's literally like two and a half miles from the entrance to my family's ranch. He lives up there. And so that dude, I just cannot say enough good things about Scotty. He's one of the kindest. Little old Scotty. Most genuine, just little old Scotty, just putting <laughs> along, but he's not little old Scotty anymore. No. Um, he's, dude, he's, he's the dude in Texas. If you want to kill a, a big odd ad with your bow, like go to Scotty because everybody else does it rifle. Um, and I think that's a combination of a few things. Like, you know, he's obviously really good at what he does, but the road system on his, on his lease is, is pretty awesome. Um, like I just got back, we did a, we did a four day backpack hunt with Stephen West out in West Texas in the Chinati mountains. And, and dude, let me tell you like backpacking that country versus how Scotty rolls at the lodge and the Can-Ams is, it's a different beach, man, that it is rough country. And it is really like, if you wanted to go out, like if you wanted to commit to bow hunting on ad back there with Stephen West, I would say block off like 10 days and hope that there's a water source up high because it packing all that water in the desert is a real motherfucker. Um, and, and just like the stocks, like if you were to put it on one stock on a Ram, like, you know, I, I would say minimum, probably a four hour ordeal. Cause you just got to get up and around them. And, um, so, but that was a, it was a really badass hunt. And, uh, we did that with born primitive and, and the guys from go hunt Brady and trail. And, uh, I think they're doing a little YouTube video on it. Um, and some gear reviews and stuff on born primitive, but it was a hell of a time, dude. They, we, Brady killed a mountain lion on the second day of the hunt spot and stock. We were just glassing and it, it rolled out in the draw below us and we were able to get on it. We made a, a 580 yard shot on it and dumped it. Um, and then they killed uh trail, killed a U on day three with his bow. And I got it all, you know, through the spotting scope. So it was pretty sweet. And then, um, we ended up going up to what we called Ram town, which was way up high in the top of the mountains. And there was a water source back there and the rut is over for Audad. And so all the big Rams were bachelored up high in the mountains. And so we finally got back there and they both killed Rams on kind of pretty late one evening. And, um, yeah, we, we camped out on the hill and decided to pack them out the next day, which in hindsight was a horrible decision because the wind started blowing 40 and we didn't have shelters or sleeping bags. So <laughs> long sleepless night, but dude, that's the type of shit like that type two fun and suffering. It makes it so much better at the end when you get out of there. Um, but yeah, all that to say, Scotty, Scotty's the man, Stephen West is a hell of a guide. And, uh, if you're looking for a really physical fun hunt for a badass animal, like that, look those dudes up. Um, you, you wouldn't regret it. And Scotty dude, He's like, he runs like 90% success rate with bow hunters for Audad, which is pretty friggin' insane. Yeah, no. Um, he's got it. He's got it figured out. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I spend way more time down there than I probably, you know, should this year. I did wasn't, you know, as much, but 
Yeah, I, I, f- I fuck with Scotty a lot. Uh, well, Sloan does too, as far as little old Scotty, because I'm like, yeah, uh, Scotty, you're bringing in some pretty big names. I don't know where you really, because you were like, hey, man, uh, Scotty, you mind posting about this? And he's like, you mean me? Little old Scotty should post. You mean little old me? Little old me? (laughs) Dude, he he says some shit sometimes. He gets me rolling. He's like, man, that lady is, what do you say? She's as wild as mountain scenery. And he's got that Texas (laughs) (laughs) mixture drawn. He'll say shit like, well, and then, you know, whatever. Obviously, camp drinking, right? Like, you can tell the level of where Scotty, how many beers deep he's in. Because after about eight beers, he's starting to like having to think what he's saying. So he'll kind of have his right <laughs> hand out and he'll be like, and, uh, uh, uh. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's about bedtime, you know, but I don't know yeah. How, yeah. how many uh, animals he and I are together on that hit the ground or how many, you know what? I mean, it's a ton of, of fun, but yeah, when, when we're down there, like he's made a couple memes, uh, like when we get clients in, I'm like, Hey, look, if, if, you know, if you want one good stock a day, like one solid opportunity, go with Scotty. And Scotty would be like, yeah, if you want to run, yeah. run around the mountain like a fucking idiot and get a bunch of shots, you go ahead and go with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> he's, that's yeah. just, he's just super chill. So, Yeah, and he's got with Barnwell and Jake and all those guys, he's got a really killer roster of guides, and it's just a fun environment. It, it feels like you're hunting with your buddies, not like going on a guided hunt so much. Um, it's yeah, I, I freaking love that place, and I love West Texas. I think I'm going to go hunt elk with him this year. I was looking for, like, a private land trespass fee type of deal just because I want good interaction. I don't care about killing a giant, but um, he's like, man, come on down. And uh, so I think I'm going to do that, which will be cool to try to kill an elk in West Texas, home state. No. Um, and then next week, dude, he's doing a big – because Scott is a cowboy, too, when he's not outfitting. Um he's got this buddy up there in the panhandle that's doing like this old school branding. cattle branding with chuck wagons and wall tents and teepees. And so I'm going to head up there, uh, I think Sunday night and, and hang out and camp with those guys for a few days and shoot some photos and have a good time. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. I, I said, we were going to get off, but did you see I shot a red sheep? Dude, I did. Um, I never really, we didn't talk about that. Nah, I haven't really made a big. Those those fuckers are they're wily, man. They like are. we were down there one time, and they, they must have been rutting. Um, we were down on Mule Mountain looking for sheep for Audad, and and we saw one, and it was like, dude, when they see people, they just fucking take off running. And this thing kind of ran away from us and wrapped around the mountain, and I think we saw you like up there, a red sheep you. And then he came back around and we spooked him. We weren't trying to hunt him. We were just kind of watching him. Um, and that thing took off running. And, and there's that long road that runs by Mule Mountain that's next to the property line and the fence. That red sheep came off the hill. And, dude, I'm not kidding you. He jumped the fence, but he he took off. He jumped probably 15 yards before the fence started and cleared it. Dude, he was at least 15 feet in the air, like freak athlete it was we all just stopped and we're like holy shit that thing just jumped 40 yards it looked like <laughs> did yours did yours run from you like that or were they were they pretty chill no they were not chill in fact it was a lot more luck driving and shooting ability than it was hunting because they came out of a a canyon and uh yeah i didn't even, i didn't bring my bow down there i was i was guiding but i had thor 
and uh, my, I got a, it's a six, five PRC that Viking armament makes. And, uh, they took off running and, and not like we weren't like chasing them down. You know, they obviously ran one direction and I'm like Barnwell all ass dudes loop around them. He looped around them and they stopped at like maybe 300. They took off again and, uh, to, you know, whatever we took off, you know, trying to get a loop, loop around them. Well, you know, I, I don't, I didn't have like, I did not have anything to rest off of. I fly out of the Can-Am and they stopped at like 309. Mike gave me a range and uh, just, I mean, <laughs> with a 40 mile an hour cross. How long is your shot? 309. Um, 40 mile an hour crosswind offhand. And I, I, I practice a lot offhand, but you know, you're shooting an animal that's like a unicorn and there was a, a group of them and you know, I, I get, I'm on like 24 power and I'm like, that's the biggest one and touched it off. And I'm like, holy shit, I think I flipped it. And I, you know, I'm immediately, I'm like, man, I hope I hit the right one. Right. Like when I say that, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, eight Rams beside each other, I wanted to shoot the oldest. Right. Barnwell's like, dude, I think it's yeah. hoof is in the air. And I'm like, holy. so anyway, we get up there. It was like 15 and a half years old, broomed back, probably six yeah. inches on one side, eight inches on the other oldest ram I've ever seen. And the thing is, wow. it's like people that aren't familiar with those, that is probably one of the coolest and most unique animal. Well, not probably it is. That is the most unique, coolest, like coveted animal I've ever shot. Cause you, they're free range Iranian red sheep. You just don't get that opportunity and they're skittish. Yeah. Did you, are you, are you going to do full body mount on it? No, I mean, no one kill me. I'm going to, I euroed it. I'm going <laughs> to, I caped it, but we're going to get, I don't know. Are you going to, are you going to tan the cape? The capes are cool. They got that giant like bullseye white spot right on their vitals. They are crazy. So we, I tubed it. Um, we, we full bodied it. And then there was a guy, Vic, who had shot one and, uh, he, he had not made a great shot. So we, we found it later. We didn't. Scotty found it later. And he was like, Hey, do you think you can find a cape? You know, of course we're like, dude, it's a red sheep. Like, no, we're not going to find yeah. you a cape. <laughs> and, um, Luckily, yeah. lucky for him, I, I don't mount anything. And so, um, we were, you know, he's going to end up taking my cape, um, and, uh, be able to mount his, so, you know, helping out a client, super cool. And then, you know, for me, I'm not real big on, on mounting anything. I'm just, you know, the adventure and, you know, the Euro, I'll, I'll put that up, but crazy, crazy yeah. animal, dude, like fuck crazy experience. And Barnwell was, and Mike Hearn were with me and Mike had no idea, right? He doesn't know about red sheep, but Barnwell knows when we shot that Barnwell was just <laughs> losing his mind. He was, I was like, I know, dude, this is crazy. <laughs> the dude's always smiling. Yeah. He was smiling that day. We shot a red sheep and a U with a bow all within an hour of each other. And, and that doesn't happen very often. So. Hell yeah. Did y'all get that shot on film? Uh, the red sheep, or we did not, uh, the U we did, but the red sheep, we did not. Yeah, it probably happened pretty quick. Dude, like I undersold the intensity of it. We're talking diving out the Can-Am, probably doing 40. Like it was like, we weren't, there was not a lot of time to get on this thing. And like for people that haven't taken 300 yard offhand shots, it is not the easiest thing in the world to, to do. Right. It's, and, and honestly, people are right. Listen, saying that's unethical, but, but you know, Scotty and others would attest like that's not out of the question for me. And dude, I will say I hit that thing within a half inch of where I was aiming to where we got up to it. And I was like, hmm, yeah, couldn't do that again. That was a lot of fucking luck, but I wasn't going to let that oh, opportunity yeah. pass, dude. Not, not for that thing. And now you saw the size of it. Just crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a monster. So your next big hunt is the uh, goat hunt with Bart? Yep, yep. I'm going up, helping out Bart on some stone sheep and mountain goat hunts, and then I'm going to hunt mountain goat myself. So that'll be the next big one. Hell yeah. How long are you going up there? Uh, Four or five weeks. Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah, I'm going to help on, I think, three different stone hunts and some goat hunts. And I just like hanging out with Bart, and that country's cool. And then, yeah, uh, Bear's coming up. The uh, He owns Born Primitive. He's coming up. And then uh, and Kendall, actually, card from Black Ovis. We're going to get these those hunts on oh, really? film. Yeah, yeah, Kendall's coming up. So we're going to get those on film, and you'll be able to watch along with the adventures of me and Bart. And then uh, when those guys come up, we'll make a film for, for Born Primitive and Kafaru. Um, they, that everybody will yeah. get to watch. And then you're doing stuff with, and then you and South are doing a big elk hunt, right? Yeah. That, well, I'm coming back. I'm going to try to film um, South's mule deer hunt. And then I actually have to fly to California. Um, one of my buddies that's down in San Diego is getting married. Why the fuck he's getting married in September? I don't know, but super close friends. So this will be mm-hmm. the first wedding I've been to since my own, I think, actually, which my own meaning, <laughs> yeah, I don't go to weddings. So, first one. yeah, and then uh, coming back and then going on that, that elk hunt with South, which will be super cool. That's always a good hunt. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, who's filming the stuff in BC? I don't think I even know. I'm not sure that we've figured that out yet. We had some, um, you know, op- we, we've had people, you know, we've had looked into people doing it, but I don't think we've finalized it yet. So, yeah. Um, we should look at Nick Marchiando for that. He's already up there in BC. So cool. And he, he, he did all of Dustin Rose video stuff. He's a stud. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. If he's available. So for sure. Well, yeah. cool, man. Now we're over an hour. Um, but man, yeah, I appreciate everything. I appreciate the friendship and yeah, it's always good hanging out, man. Yeah. Likewise, dude. Um, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in, and uh, Sloan, stay out of trouble. You got it, buddy. Talk to you soon.